get started. Um, let's say I were in a coma. Would you sponge bathe me? Why did you do nothing to stop the assassination of James Garfield? Would you babysit my children? Have you ever kidnapped anyone? And answer the second question first. How much time do you spend skipping when nobody's looking? Convince me on the concept of speed limits. So from like one to needy, where do you fall? Well, uh, that concludes our interview. Thank you for coming. Thank you for your time. Do you have any questions for us? All right, Christ Church. I'm Pastor Bob, lead pastor here at Christ Church. Uh, thank you for being patient as we enter into this uh, new time of shuttles. Uh, but we made it, right? And uh, yeah, the fence is actually going to go up uh, next week. Got a little rain this last week, so delayed it a day or two. So fence goes up next week. So uh, just continue to ask for your patience and uh, hope you just stay on mission and go ahead and keep the lot open for those uh, single moms, first-time guests, uh, single parents. Uh, so thanks. Anyway, thanks for being part of it. Uh, well, we're in a series about uh, friending, and uh, hopefully you're finding this impactful. It is an important, important uh, uh, topic for us, and we've used kind of as uh, the basis for the series uh, one particular verse and kind of one particular observation uh, that just kind of carries us through uh, each, week, each week and impacts us each week. It is that simple biblical principle uh, from Solomon, remember, wisest guy ever, uh, that's captured here in Proverbs uh, 13. Uh, by now you've heard it twice, so this is your third time, so let's say it together. Yep, for that? Uh, let's read this thing together. You ready? Proverbs 13. Walk with the wise and become wise. Associate with fools and get in trouble. Upper room, how'd you do? Good. <laughs> uh, yeah, hey, simple principle, right? That your friends forecast your future, right? Uh, who you hang out with has a great influence in the, the direction, in the future, the outcome uh, of your life. And so that was kind of week one, understanding the importance of who you surround yourself uh, with. Uh, week number two, we took that a step further and said, well, it's really a great invitation, that principle, uh, to not only look at the friends that we have, but it's also a great invitation to find friends or a friend who can influence us and encourage us and hold us accountable, right, and walk with us in our spiritual walk of faith. We use the example of the Apostle Paul. Uh, when uh, God sent Ananias and then Barnabas uh, into his life, brought friends into his life, and it totally changed the direction uh, of his life. And that's the principle, that one friend, one friend can really redirect uh, your, your future, the direction uh, of your life. Today we're going to take that uh, one step uh, further. Uh, and the reason we're taking it one step further uh, is because of the reality that you and I live in today uh, in our culture. And that's where I want to start us, is just kind of all understanding what's going on out there in our culture and why this topic uh, is so important to us and the opportunity it gives us uh, as Christ followers. Uh, the reality is for us today in our culture, our culture has evolved into a culture of loneliness. 
It's evolved into a culture of loneliness. There's a lot of lonely uh, folks around you every single day. Some of you in the room today may identify with that, that you really don't feel connected or involved in somebody else's uh, life. The reality is that just culturally, there's all kinds of dynamics that have gone on, changes that have happened, that have brought us to this place of separation, where we live very independent uh, kinds of lives. I just gave you three examples or three motivators that is, make, that, uh, is motivating this, making it happen uh, in our culture. And I think you all identify with these uh, real quick as we go through them. Uh, one is just we're becoming more and more independent because we're becoming more and more mobile. There's just greater mobility uh, in our culture. So today, the average American will move once every five years. Once every five years. Uh, Well, if you're moving around once every five years, it doesn't make for long-term relationships, committed long-term relationships. And so things are always changing, and you're not able to find uh, that connection point, perhaps, right? So we just have greater mobility. Uh, For you millennials in the room, uh, you need to know that the projections are for the millennial culture that you will move once every three years. Is that scary? Uh, that means, right, that we're, we're a culture that's going to become even more and more uh, isolated, right? Relationships will be even less and less. Uh, the other thing that's happened in our culture is we've moved from the front porch to the private patio in the back, right? Uh, I uh, did my internship uh, in ministry down on the south side uh, of Milwaukee. And you go down and you drive around the south side of Milwaukee and you got all those Milwaukee bungalow houses. You ever done that? Been down there? Sure. What do you notice about those bungalows? What do they have right out in the front of those houses? They have giant front porches, right? They have big front porches down there because that was the culture at that time that you hung out on the front porch and you got to know your neighbors and you had conversations with people walking by and it was a front porch kind of culture. But what's happened today? Well, we've moved to the backyard patio and usually it's fenced in. We've become far more private in our culture. Uh, We've had things that have helped us do that. For instance, if you drive around on the south side, you'll find not only did they have front porch, uh, front porches, but they also have detached garages. What are those? <laughs> right? They have detached garages. So you'd park your car, get out of your car, walk across the backyard. In the process, you may run into your neighbor, right? You may holler across the fence to your neighbor and get to know somebody. We don't do that in suburban culture anymore. We have attached garages, and all of our attached garages have garage door openers. What do we get to do? Push a button, drive right in, push a button, close the door, and we don't have to talk to anybody. Right? We live in a very lonely, detached kind of culture. And we have all kinds of things that have contributed culturally to create this kind of culture of loneliness. Simple things we take for granted. For instance, air conditioning. Before air conditioning, what did people do? Well, when they were in their homes, they'd throw up in the windows and most likely they'd make their way outside. 
when they were outside, they'd engage with the other people who were outside, right? What do we do? We have air conditioning, which means we just crank that air conditioning on and we stay inside. And that means we don't engage with other people. You see, we're creating and evolving into a culture of loneliness. And that happens equally now because of the, the, uh, just the onslaught of technology and social media, right? Uh, love social media, not knocking social media. Just want you to understand the impact that social media has. And so now we even define friend by virtue of Facebook, right? Uh, and it all happens in a very detached kind of experience. It's not a lot of real interaction. It's just keyboard interaction. And what is our big joy? Our big joy is when we get a, right? We get a thumbs up like, Woo-hoo! right? Well, it's all detached and very isolated kinds of interactions. And so we really are living in a culture of loneliness, now, for we Christ followers, right, if, you, if you're already in relationship with Christ, uh, that's an eye-opening reality for us. It's also a great opportunity for us. Our culture of loneliness today becomes a great opportunity for Christ because we know a truth that culture doesn't understand. We know that when God created humanity, he created humanity to be in relationship. That this culture of loneliness is contrary to the very fabric of God's creative activity. And so if you go to Genesis and you look at the experience when when God created Adam and he created Eve, right? He creates Eve and he brings Eve to Adam and Adam's all, whoo-hoo, gaga, right? And like... Whoa, finally, exclaims, you know, bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. She'll be called woman because she was taken out of man. And then it says, this explains why a man leaves his father and mother, joined to his wife, and the two are united uh, as one. This explains why. What is that? This explains why. Well, it's, it's the Bible's way. It's the Bible's phrase of trying to capture that when God created Adam and Eve... When he created Eve and brought Eve to man, he was creating relationship. He was creating relationship. Before that, Adam simply had relationship with God. Now, there is relationship with one another. You see, we were created. It is part of our fabric and our makeup to seek and desire relationship. That's equally true uh, when you become a Christ follower. Right when 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 Jesus kind of overwhelms you with His grace and you let go and you and you and you say yes and you let Him be Lord of your life, you get recreated and we get recreated. You get folded into a relational experience, not simply a relationship with Christ, but a relationship with His people, with His family. Right. This is an important principle for us Christ followers to understand and be able to communicate with others. Do you have somebody in your life who says, uh, hey, I don't, I don't need to go to church to be a Christian? Heard that before? Nobody's ever heard that before? Man, I hear that all the time. Come on. Right? Yeah, you hear that, right? Here's what you need to know. Those folks don't understand what it means to be a Christian. 
Because to be a Christian means you have a relationship with Christ and you have a relationship with his family. It is inherent to the walk with Christ. Let me prove it to you. This is out of 1 Peter. Peter says, you are coming to Christ. So he's talking about, right, when, when, when people are entering into that relationship with Christ. He says, you're coming to Christ, who is the living cornerstone of God's temple. He was rejected by people, but he was chosen by God for a great honor. And you are living stones that God is building into his spiritual temple. What did he just describe us as? Living stones that are being built together right? Built together into an incredible presence, the temple, incredible presence of God uh, in the world. Let me illustrate this to you. I found the closest I could get to some bricks here. Uh, And so you notice, right? So you got bricks and that's what he's describing that when you come into Christ, you're like a brick, right? But you're not just a brick. You're a brick that is joined together with other bricks. And when you join uh, bricks together, they become something, right? They become a powerful force or a wall. They become a powerful force. You get the image? In contrast, when you are not in relationship with other Christ followers, what are you? A brick apart from the rest of the bricks is just a stone. Right? A brick may look really cool and brick-like, but a brick that is not engaged in the wall, that is not joined to other bricks, is just a useless stone. You see, we were created, inherently created, when Christ overwhelms us with His grace, to come into that relationship with other Christ followers. It is the nature of of what it is to follow Christ. Better put that up there before I drop it on my toe. That's the important principle, right? That, that we're created to be in relationship with others. You can see it in Acts 2. It's what happened to the early Christians, right? Christ came into their life, and what happened? Well, they worshiped together at the temple each day. They got together like this. They worshiped in large groups. And they met in homes for the Lord's Supper, shared their meals with great joy and generosity. And they're all praising God. And God, and they're enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day, the Lord did what? He added to the fellowship. He created more relationship. You see how it works? Not only from the beginning where we individually created a relationship, but when we receive Christ into our life, we are recreated for a bigger and greater relationship with God's people, with God's family. And that's what happened in the early church. They'd get together in large groups, and they'd get together in small groups. Paul says, I never shrank back from telling you what you needed to hear, either publicly or where, or in your Homes. They did some front porch work, right? They did that getting together kind of experience. Have I convinced you yet? Some of you yes, some of you no. Let me give you one more convincing, okay? One more convincing. If you go into Scripture, there are at least 21 commands. These are not suggestions. These are not if you want tos, right? These are 21 commands that uh, Scripture gives us to be in relationship with one another. 
right? I just pulled out two of them here. There's 21. I just pulled out two. Uh, It says, love who? You can say it. Each other. Thank you. You can say each other. Love each other. With genuine affection, take delight in honoring each other. You bet. Let the message about Christ in its richness fill your lives. Teach and counsel each other. Absolutely. Do it with each other. With all wisdom that he gives, sing psalms, hymns, spiritual songs uh, to God with thankful hearts. Notice it keeps talking about relationship to each other. Let me ask you this. How in the world can you fulfill the command that Christ puts on your life to encourage, counsel, have genuine affection for each other if you're never with each other? Right? I mean, to fulfill the commands, you have to be willing to engage, leave the culture of loneliness, and engage in the experience of genuine affection genuine relationship with other Christ followers. It is simply inherent on us that if you're a Christ follower, you were created for a relationship and you were recreated to be in relationship with God's people. And Jesus would go so far to say, this is so important for us to get, so important for us to understand because there is a kingdom consequence if we don't get it. He says, your love for one another right? So you're each other, your commitment to one another, your fellowship, you're getting together, you're encouraging one another, your relationship with one another. This relationship with one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Now let's think for a minute. You ready? You still with me? We started out and we identified our culture is moving, is already is, and is moving in further into a culture of loneliness. What an incredible opportunity you have in your life as a Christ follower. Because you represent a culture of relationship around you every single day. Every single day. You have people living in a culture of loneliness. And you, you know the answer. It's the simple invitation to a culture of relationship. It's a simple invitation to a culture of relationship. Relationship with Christ, yes, but relationship with God's people. And so Scripture says, respect everyone and love the family of believers, fear God, and respect the king. What's the truth? Here's the principle I want you to really grab on today, right? So we talked about friends will forecast your future, We talked last week about your one friend away from a new direction or future. Here's the other principle. You are one group away from relational life change. You're one group of Christ followers away from relational life change. You see, life change happens best in the experience of group Life change happens the best in the experience of being collectively in relationship together with other Christ followers. If if you want your life to start going in a new direction, yes, ask God to bring you that one friend, right? 
Seek out that one Christ-walking friend who's willing to come into your life. But don't stop there. Don't stop there. Equally, seek out to surround yourself with a group of Christ followers who can encourage you, strengthen you, hold you accountable, support you, and be with you in all the ups and the downs of your life and move you in that life change and direction God has for you. Life change happens best within the context of a group of Christ followers together. Prove it to you. This is out of Ephesians 2. And in this text, uh, Paul is going to identify these Gentiles, right? He says, so now you Gentiles. So that's who they were, right? That's what he's describing them as before, really, Christ is in their life. So now you Gentiles, right? That's who they were. But no longer, right? Now you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners. What has happened? Some change has taken place. How they see themselves, how they understand themselves, how others see them, how others understand them. There is a change in their worldview, right? Once you were this, Gentiles, no longer, you're, no longer are you strangers and foreigners. You are citizens along with all God's holy people. You are members of God's family. Together, we are his house, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. And the cornerstone is Christ Jesus himself. We are carefully joined together in him, becoming a holy temple for the Lord. Do you see what's happening in that text? Once they were Gentiles, not anymore. Life changes happen. And now they are in a family. They're in a relationship. They are with other Christ followers. And their identity is completely changed. And they're becoming, right, this process, they are becoming something even greater, a holy temple of the Lord. They're becoming the presence and the reflection of God in the world. That's incredible transition. And that life change transition is happening within the context of relationship. We were created for relationship. We're created to recreated to be in relationship. It happened equally in the early church, Acts 2, right? The Pentecost is passed. 3,000 plus people say yes to Christ after Peter's uh, great sermon, right? And it says, wow, things changed in these people's lives because they were now in relationship with one another. It said, all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings, to fellowship, to share meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to pray. A deep sense of awe came, came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place, and they shared everything they had. They sold their property and their possessions. They shared their money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, and they met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and they shared their meals with great joy and generosity. What happened? Life change took place because they were no longer in a culture of loneliness. They entered into a culture of relationship. And relationship happens best in a small group. You are one group away from having a relational life change. One group away. Why? Well, it's 
what happens when Christ followers get together. You see, when Christ followers get together, it's nothing like what happens in the world. Right? I mean, there's groups out there in the world, right? Maybe it's your Saturday morning golf group, great bunch of guys, right? Or maybe it's your Wednesday afternoon bridge club, great bunch of people probably. But it's different when Christ followers get together. What's different? Well, when Christ followers get together, everybody is accepted. There's no litmus test, right? There's no prerequisite. There's no standard that somebody has to meet in order to become part of the group, right? We we don't have a list of questions out at the front door that say, now, before you can come in here, you have to meet these qualifications. No, the doors are open to everybody. Groups of Christ followers, when we get together, it's open to everybody, right? There is absolute acceptance. Therefore, accept each other just as Christ accepted you. You see, God's love for you, Christ's death for you, isn't qualified. He didn't die for you if you meet some certain kinds of rules, regs, and standards. He simply gave up his life for you. There is no group standard for Christ followers. Everyone is simply accepted. And when they're accepted, no matter who they are, where they are, what they've been going on in their life, they have the opportunity to experience forgiveness. Can't get that on the golf group. Can't get that on the bridge club, right? But you get that in the experience when Christ followers get together. When we get together, we're not concerned about where you've been. We're concerned about where you're going. Christ died for your past. He died for your sins. What we're concerned about is where is God leading you to a new, incredible, powerful future to impact the world around you for the cause of Jesus Christ. And that happens because whatever your past has been, we accept you. And whatever your past has been, we forgive you. When Christ followers get together, there's acceptance, there's forgiveness, and there's encouragement. No matter what that past has been, you're accepted. No matter what that past has been, you're forgiven. And we want you to know what God has in store. We want you to know the incredible things Christ can do in your life. And we want to be part of that. Christ followers together are committed to encourage one another in all the highs and the lows of their lives. And we're committed to serve each other and to serve with each other. When we're in group together, we serve each other. We're committed to each other. And we're also committed as a group then to go and pass that on, to combat the culture of loneliness and to make a difference in the world. It means we will love and we will honor each other. When we get together, when Christ followers get together, we will just genuinely love each other with that affection and we will take delight in what God is doing in your life. You see the difference? Here's the big thing for today. You need to just understand where we started. We are in a culture of loneliness. And you and I have the answer to the culture of loneliness. The people around you, and maybe even some of you in this room, you are one group away. You are one relational group away with some other Christ followers from having your life move and change 
that group of people who will be absolutely accepting of you, who will be forgiving of you, that group of people that will be there and encourage you and strengthen you, and they will serve you and serve with you, and they will honor you genuinely because that's what we do. That's what we get recreated into. We are committed to a group relationship that leads to life change. Great scripture. Uh, By the way, this scripture applies when you have shuttle buses or shuttle vans going over the next eight weeks or whatever it is. Uh, And let us not neglect our meeting together. Thank you. I had to throw that in there. (laughs) Right? Let us not neglect meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now the day of returning is drawing near. Let's not neglect the opportunity we have because there's a culture of loneliness. And we have the solution to that loneliness. The simple invitation. The invitation to relationship with other Christ followers and ultimately the invitation with Christ himself. Let's pray. Father, thanks uh, today. Thank you that... uh, We don't have to walk alone in the world. Um, Not only will Christ walk with us, but you bring us into relationship of family, to relationship with other Christ followers. And uh, no matter what's going on in our life, the highs, the lows, whatever it is, we know there's a people committed to us. And so we pray today, uh, help us to just identify. Help us to find not only that one friend, but that group of people, that group of Christ followers who can come around us and be there for us and encourage us uh, and honor us uh, and just continue to help us go through the change of being more and more like Jesus. So, Lord, we just uh, thank you for the opportunity, the invitation we have uh, to be in relationship with you and with one another. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.